Welcome. Um, thanks for having me. Uh, my name is Bridget Grace, uh, and I teach out of the Maine Academy at, uh, and run the women's program at the Henzo Gracie Academy in Manhattan, New York. Um, I've been training for a little less than 10 years. I fell in love with jiu-jitsu as a blue belt under Daniel Gracie, and the rest is kind of history. I received my purple and my brown from Daniel, and then I moved up to New York uh, pursuing my jiu-jitsu dreams, um, wound up working at Gregor's and running his kids program for a little bit of time and then officially made the jump uh, to run the women's program at the main academy. And you're a really active competitor. I know uh, one of the, the, you just competed in the, the Nogi World Championships, the IBJJF World Championships, um, and you, you made it all the, all the way to the finals, had a great performance. Um, could you, could you talk a little bit about how you felt about that competition and then maybe um, what, what the next competitions are going to look like for you? Absolutely. Yeah, I've always loved competing. It's always been one of those things of, you know, why not compete? Uh, it's really how you can test your skill level and see where you're at in terms of uh, where you're at on that particular day, where you're at at your belt, um, where you stack up to your competition. Uh, so I've always been a huge fan of competing. Uh, and this past one, Nogi Worlds, was super special. I, that whole day, um, well, two days, I should say, was incredible. Um, the, uh, so I've changed the way that I've trained and kind of come into training. Uh, and I think that has to do with a little bit of the lockdown and having to concentrate on uh, expanding your game from a mental capacity uh, as opposed to just purely physical all the time. Could, could, uh, could you, um, what, do you, what do you mean by that? So can you give an example of like a, a, a you know, just a, to kind of uh, dig into that a little bit more? Than yeah, that. yeah. So an example of it is um, reviewing notes or mentally like doing jujitsu in your mind of like almost like a visualization. I also just reviewing different movements and trying to feel the movements in your body while you're not necessarily doing them. Um, and it's just, it's a little bit of a different uh, approach to training where you're not beating yourself up physically all the time where now it's okay, you're mentally thinking of these different things so that those patterns can get into your, that core of your body a little bit more so than it would be just going physical all the time or just going or sparring all the time. Um, so it's, it's a little bit of a, a difference. It's also like if you're injured or something, uh, you can't really be on the mats. So you've got to figure out different ways uh, to hone in your abilities. So this is, I'm not injured, but I'm taking a different approach of, okay, I don't want to spend all of my time on the mats. I would like to go somewhere else, but I'm still trying to think of jujitsu all the time. Does that, make, does that make sense? Yeah, and I, I, it definitely. And I, I think also you mentioned something uh, at the seminar. By the way, great seminar. Uh, highly Thank recommend you. you if, if you guys, if anybody, uh, any schools would like to host you and you have time. I know your competition schedule is really busy here coming up. But, uh, Absolutely. Uh, this uh, great seminar you just did. And you mentioned at the end in kind of the, the question and answer part after. I think it was me or maybe one of the other people that asked the question about about what you just talked about. And you mentioned that uh, you like to take notes 
when you train and then review them at night. And, I do. And that's, could you kind of describe that process a little better or maybe a specific example, as specific <laughs> as you want to get, like it could even be talking yeah. about a technique or a strategy that you want uh, totally. to use. Totally. Um, so I vary between like a visual, visualization and then uh, my, my training notes or my notes from the day. Uh, so what I do is I go home at night and I set a timer for like 20 minutes, 30 minutes, uh, and I go into my Normatex that I, there are like these gigantic sleeps for your legs and I just kind of chill there and then I have my book with me. That's my like my guide to life right now. Uh, and I will set a timer and I'll just start reviewing those, those uh, notes from the day, notes from uh, rolling. Um, so me and my one professor, we, we discuss what my roles look like and different things and um, mistakes that I'm making and how I can correct those mistakes. And you do that with, with, with that with that professor right after the training? Yeah, and, yeah. And then you take notes on it and review Absolutely. it again in the evening. Mm -hmm, and review it again in the evening. And then I'll go back to, because um, I have notes from back from April and, Mar and March and April. So I have notes even from years ago and that I'll start to review just every, every so often to see like, okay, do I remember the techniques? What are the main purposes of this? How can I visualize this as I'm, I'm doing this? What does the this sequence mean? What can I? What are new things that I can possibly see? Uh, so that's one aspect of it. And then the other aspect of it is a visualization of the actual tournaments that I'm going into. Uh, um, so, so visualizing something that's coming up. Yeah, right? like yeah. Okay. Um, so my opponents, what uh, what the. Uh, auditorium or what the venue looks like, what the mats feel like, um, what I want to bring to uh, my match, uh, the sequencing that I'm going to be looking for, um, the, just the initial contact of what I'm really looking for. And it might not be, it hasn't like measured up exactly as I wanted to, but it at least gives me a path and like a destination that I want to get to. Um, yeah, yeah. Do you have, what's your, one of your most recent training session notes can you can you remember any it's probably hard without the notebook in front of you but like do you do you, do you remember anything that sticks out it doesn't have to be like right now but something that that you review just so you know I, I think it's a great sounds like a great practice um, I know other high, like high performing people I've talked to have done similar things and uh, I I just wanted to uh, you know maybe give somebody an example so they can try to maybe create something like this on their own. So yeah, yeah. Um, so in terms of notes from rolling uh, or from, from training notes, uh, it's main things that stick out. So sometimes it'll be an arm bar setup uh, or I go from um, going from a Kimura to jumping into an arm bar and just the different, di different pieces about it where I want to be hitting. So like I want my feet to be on their hips. I want to be uh, making sure that I collect that bottom elbow. Um, I have this one big note that constantly comes back up. This is stop crucifixing, um, and it's keeping more of like a point mindset as opposed to like uh, different patterns that I'm used to, like going for a crucifix. <laughs> so it sounds like they're both technical and strategy notes. Yeah, right? uh, yeah. They're not just about you know, oh, don't make this mistake or do this technique positive. It's also strategy stuff. Yeah. Um, I think just from talking to you in the last, you know, now and in the last couple of days, it seems like as a competitor, you're you're not uh, you kind of um, balance all those different things, you know, strategy, technique, uh, 
Um, reco- you know, you talked about recovery, about putting yeah. the leg things on. Uh, we just got in the cryo chamber, uh, the full body that one. That was awesome. And, and you, you so said you like sauna too. <laughs> yeah. So, the, you know, and you mentioned that last, uh, yesterday at the seminar, um, I think one of the other people asked a question about that and you said how important focusing on recovery is. Um, do you think that, uh, how, how, I'm trying to think out of phrases, how, how, what primacy do you give to technical in a learning and even innovation, innovating your own technique versus those other aspects, right? Like you, you, strategy, improving your strategy. What, what place does each of those have in competition? Could you talk about that a little bit? Mm, so each of them have uh, different placements for competition. Uh, so in terms of strategy and strategic thinking, like I already... I, I already have a lot of the tools of what I know. Um, I know that I, I do inversions a whole bunch, and that's I, I know what my game is, or I know like around about what my I like my game to be. Um, in terms of strategy, it's it's some some of it's studying other opponents and what they generally like or do not like to do, and trying to figure out uh, how I can adhere my game to that. We. Um, I also had mentioned like there's so there's parts of my game that I don't want to play with other people so I go inverted a whole bunch almost like too too much and I'll go inverted on the wrong people um, someone that's like twice the size of me they'll be like I'm gonna go inverted now and I've watched videos of it and I've been like why why do I do this um, so it's it's figuring out how uh, now what I'm working on is figuring out a new tool set on how I can work in different patterns so that I don't just have one set game plan. I have like this more multitude of game plans that I can kind of play around with and uh, finagle with to see what works best. Um, so it sounds like you're expanding your, you know, strategy and then you have to add techniques into that. Right? Yeah, you're expanding yeah. the availability of different strategies to yourself. Right? Absolutely. Is that, is that kind of... But what also is, I mean, um, black belt now, so I've been... Um, exposed to so many different techniques so it's not like I have to learn like how to do an arm bar or how to do a scissor sweep or like the basics of it I have that foundation already so now it's just this expansive version of like how can we really play around with it to see what works and, and, and is part of that integrating it with stuff that you are, are already skilled at right? yeah, like, is that, yeah is that what you mean like t- taking something that that maybe is not something that you know how to do it, but it's it's but you'd like to add that so you can use it strategically in a certain type yeah. of match against a certain. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I one of one of uh, your te- people that you said you worked with, uh, Gregor Gracie, told once told me this, and I, I it was one of those little quotes that I thought about a lot, and I I don't. You know, it's it's when taken out of context, it can kind of you know. Sometimes I'm like, oh, I don't like that, and sometimes I, I like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, he said something like, like don't attack your opponent with what you're best at attacking with. Attack at what they're worst at defending at. Ooh. And and it was just one of those things that make you think. And I don't yeah. even know if it's always true, you know. As, as a, but but it's I, I thought about that a lot. In some cases, I think that that's very true. And and I think if you have something that's part like what you're saying part of your strategy that you can develop maybe that's uh that's kind of a strategic thing that you can pull out if they're very you know for example maybe somebody's really good at countering versions yeah. but they're but they're very poor at you know uh 
they're very poor at being on top or something. Totally. So you add that to your strategic arsenal. Is that yeah. what you, is that kind of what you're trying to do as far as expanding? It, that that definitely is part of it, and it's also not trying to force anything. So I want to see what's coming at me at the present time. I'm not trying to fight for something that's not there. Yeah. Um, and it's a lot of that goes into recognition of what's here and what really isn't here. Um, so there's sometimes that I know I'll be kind of almost like a dog with a bone where I just I want to get something so so bad that everything now gets invested in that as opposed to you close yourself off that way as opposed to like opening everything up to see okay I'm going to accept whatever comes at me and I'm going to be able to use whatever they're giving me for my finishes. Yeah. Does yeah. 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 I, kind of like on the opposite side of that is, is something you said. I don't know if it's opposite. I think it, it, it you said like you want, and a lot of great competitors have said this to me earlier, like you want to build your own game. That's yeah. essential. You can't, you can't totally copy somebody else. You have to build something that works for you. And, and then in some ways impose that on, on your opponent. Yeah. And that's not, that's, you have to, I, I guess, how did, how do you, th is that something you're thinking through as far as like, you're trying this new stuff, you're attacking things that, you know, maybe, maybe you like to invert, but that's not the best thing to do. So mm -hmm. not, instead of imposing that, you're going to have another strategy that works in with that somehow yeah, connected. Yeah. Is that what you're trying? Is that Definitely. Kind of it's a give and take that I'm trying to, to have. I, I, again, I've had this kind of like set game and now it's again, more expanding it and seeing like what some possibilities are, uh, and not overreaching, not, uh, not trying to see something that's not quite there. Um, I also am not trying to just do my best things because like they work, uh, they're not always gonna work. And time and time again, it's like, oh, this is actually a failed mistake. Um, let me try to do something different. Also in terms of the different uh, uh, rule sets too. So I have uh, Masters World and uh, Gee Worlds coming up, but then I'm also gonna be doing ADCC uh, when they have the West Coast Trials. Um, so it, that goes into a different rule set of a different type of thinking as well. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, it, it's sometimes the highest levels, it's, it's you're winning by advantage as opposed to like you're winning by a submission. Yeah. Um, so the IBJJF game isn't technically, or isn't typically a submission game or a submission oriented game. Meanwhile, ADCC is a little bit more submission favored, but it's still, there's a point system to it as well. Yeah. Uh, and a strategy that goes in with that. What is there any, are you thinking of, uh, as far as the ADCC competition, um, I know, I know that you know. You look at the statistic. There's a lot of leg locks. There's a lot of wrestling. Uh, yeah. um, and then, whereas IBJJF, I feel like is generally not always, but guard heavy, right? Yeah. So it's kind of those different. You got to play all of that. Totally. Um, does that that probably helps you though as a teacher because you're t you're you're running a, a whole team basically out there now, and and all the women that you're training with and all and the other people are. They have all different. They're probably competing in multiple rule sets, focusing yeah. on ones too. So, or we have a lot of hobbyists too that just want to get really good at what they what they do and, and really and love truly love the game. So it's a really nice mix of of everyone, um, kind of all helping one another out to achieve this goal or help each other to achieve their goals. Um, and that's the wonderful part of having a team behind you. Yeah. Uh, in terms of running a team, I have some girls that just are just trying out jiu-jitsu to figure out, like, do I even like this sport? I try and, and push competition, but I don't want to force it. Again, if they want to do this, awesome. If they don't, 
that's okay. Yeah. I, I definitely try and touch on a, or a competitive level of this is what happens in competition, this is what might happen in the gym, this is what might happen in the streets. Um, so I, I do try and like cater that. Uh, it is a little bit more competition heavy, I will totally admit that. It's just, this is what I'm doing. Um, so it is very interesting to see their evolution as well. Yeah. Uh, what they're good at, what their um, their comp is like. Well, it sounds like from talking to you a little bit, your goals probably changed over the, since you started jiu-jitsu a little oh, bit, right? For sure. What what made you get started? What why did you? <laughs> uh, so I was a senior in college. I decided to play rugby, um, and I collided heads with a teammate of mine, and I was so mad. Uh, and after that, I was like. No more team sports. I want to do something as physical as rugby because I just I loved it. I loved that physical, the physicality of yeah. it. Um, I'm like, I'm gonna try MMA, and so I graduated college, and then I just threw myself into a gym uh, and started training set up six days a week, Muay Thai, boxing, uh, barely wrestling, but wrestling and jujitsu, and I just fell head over heels for it. What made you start to gravitate more towards jiu-jitsu versus, I know you fought, you fought MMA, and you said you fought, you had some Muay Thai fights as well. What what kind of made you, because, you know, everybody, I think it's really personality-based as much as anything, you know, like I, I never, I've trained striking since I was a kid, but I never, I never liked it as much, you know, but yeah. I love jiu-jitsu, it just, for some reason, it resonates with me, is why did you kind of move more into the jiu-jitsu side of it? Uh, so I, when I was a blue belt and I, changed gyms from, from Dadis to Daniel Gracie, I just fell in love with uh, jiu-jitsu. Daniel had, has, not had, he's still alive, <laughs> very much so. <laughs> <laughs> um, he uh, has this way of, of this passion for jiu-jitsu and it really shows in his teaching and just is so warm and really was, it opened my eyes to so many new possibilities. Um, I used to train jiu-jitsu because I had to for MMA, and I had to just be competent on the ground, and I was that was how it was. Uh, when I started training with Daniel, it was oh, not only do I can I be competent, I, there's so many new things to explore, and just the way in which uh, he would teach and like you get excited about it, and you see some epic progress in class. It it was just. It was intoxicating, so I felt I felt head over heels for it. So it sounds like it was really the influence of, of a teacher, like yeah. Not, and and is that I mean that's probably partly why you like to teach as well, because uh, you know to do the same yeah. thing, right? Like I, I feel like you have that energy too, you well, know, like kind of like Daniel, you know, you, you, yeah. you can tell you're excited about it, you're in training with everybody too before and after the seminar, and that's. Uh, that's the same, you know, I, I've been lucky enough to spend a lot of time with Daniel too, and he, uh, it, it is that, it's that, and I think it, I think you pass that kind of thing on, you know, I had some great wrestling coaches that were the same, but, you know, one of my coaches from Lehigh, he's been on the podcast, he still, uh, had coach from Lehigh, he's in his 50s, and he still comes out and wrestles with me every chance he gets, you know, comes out to Pittsburgh, and awesome. just because he loves it, not because he, for any other reason, you know, but, but it's that, and I, I, I think you, that translates to you, it translated to me, I feel like it's translated to you with your teachers. What other teacher has has been really influential for you uh, or teachers maybe that's yeah it doesn't have to be one there's multiple teachers um Sudeco uh, Honorio he was another coach at Daniel Gracie's and I it, he just 
was such a fun and lively spirit. And again, you find out so much more about yourself through jujitsu, and uh, or at least that's what wound up happening for me. Um, then going to the main academy, Black Rob and Mike Jaramillo made the most the biggest impressions on me. Black Rob, I uh, really he saw me like first off as a blue belt and kind of like took me in and had me start working with, uh, I've worked with Heather Hardy for her fights, for her MMA fights, um, and now it's with Phaedra Knight working for her amateur uh, career, which she was rugby player of the decade, like she's such an accomplished woman, um, but being in Black Rob's presence and watching him excel as a teacher and just how in inquisitive he is and how I... Uh, he just has this hunger for, for learning and just this also hunger for teaching. Um, granted, it's for those that are worthy of it, uh, which I, I really appreciate. Um, so he's just a lifelong teacher for me, and I, I really look at him as such a mentor. Um, with Mike Jaramillo, uh, he is such a warm-hearted person um, and truly loves the game. Uh, and to watch his passion every morning, it's almost... It, it's really wonderful that he's been he's currently my my current teacher or my current professor and yeah. he has made me just dive more into the why the the reasons behind things um so everyone has kind of touched me in different ways and light uh lit up different things inside me to be like oh i really should be more like this or i really should be more like this um, or I really like this, so I'm going to try and emulate this. Uh, it's really cool to see the culmination of different professors that have come out and, and are shown in this. That's that's a really cool like concept too. You know that I you just that you mentioned it. I think of that in, in the context of myself and other people. You know, I've been. I think most people in jujitsu, not everybody, but have had multiple influences, right? Yeah. You're, you're not, it, very rare now that you just have one person and that's the only person you ever trained with, even if it's a other training, you know, senior training partners or whatever. Yeah. And I think that uh, what you just said is a great way to, um, you know, to look at it and assimilate it because, you know, everybody's different, but you're, you're talking, what you're talking about is taking the strengths of of all these teachers, you know, one, you know, like Mike has this really way of explaining. Daniel has this great energy and this this warmth and love of the sport, you know, and you take that the best thing of each of those people or one thing that resonates with you, and 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 then that's part of your your you as a teacher now. So that so you kind of become a culmination of the best of all these 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 great teachers, and I I feel like that's a, an awesome way to look at it, and then. And that's how we'll keep going, and growing, and yeah. you know, forward as, as, and pass that on to other. Hopefully, totally. hopefully, some people are picking up good stuff from us. This season, <laughs> yeah, you know? I, so, I, don't, I don't know. You know, it's hard to see yourself. Like, what would that be? But you know, hopefully, there's good things that they're that they're picking up. You know, yeah. I, I think now that you said that of, of, of me as a teacher too, and uh, and hopefully they're not picking up some of the negative things. I know. <laughs> <You> know? <laughs> but, but, uh, um, you said before you started teaching and training full time, you were a massage therapist, right? Yeah. And and you said you, you talked a little. We were talking a little bit about that. Um, kind of a similar thing, and maybe that's why you were you 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 know you're picking up the energy of people. Mm -hmm. You're picking up. Uh, so you're you're sensitive to the energy. I think that's an ad advantage on the mat as well. Oh, right? totally. Like you can tell when somebody's tired. I I learned that very young too. Like in wrestling, you can yeah. kind of. It's almost tactile, you know, you can feel when somebody's 
giving up or when somebody's really tense or whatever. And, and you're probably, do you feel like you, you were better at that because of your path, you know, the, your career as a, as a massage therapist? Uh, that's a really good question. Um, I, I, I feel like I've always felt some kind of energy exchange from people. Um, yeah. and I mean, I, I, I've been talking about this, uh, even with the girls that I teach that there's going to be people that, um, you train with and that you ex you have ex these exchanges with and there's going to be some people that almost light you up and energize you and then you have some people that just completely drain you and yeah. then you have like everything in between or you'll have someone that uh, just they're not doing anything wrong but you just get this feeling from them and it's like oh like you're just bad person yeah. and it's like they're not bad but just it, you know it doesn't work with you yeah it doesn't work with yeah. you um, so in terms of looking at it now as like a, from a tactile thing, that's a really interesting way to, to think about it. I've never thought about it like that. It's more of just like an observational, like, hmm, that's interesting. Or like who I, I know who I want to pick and choose and what I, their energy is going to be, um, to help better me for my goals. Uh, I know when I was a younger belt, like it was kind of all over the place and like you just train with everyone because yeah. you're supposed to train with everyone. And I still think you should train with everyone, but again, there's going to be people that kind of come in that are like, whoa, I don't want to, that's going to yeah. be no. <laughs> no, and that's something I hadn't thought about a whole lot in that way, but since you mentioned it, I, I think that's a big thing, especially, you know, as, as, like, as teachers, as, you are kind of expected to train with people, but in another sense, you can't train with everybody, partly because of that, partly there's other factors, but um, when you when you talk about that, is it a... When you say you, you observe the energy, is it a tactile feeling within you? Do you is it a is it emotional? Is it a body? Like what? Could you kind of describe that a little bit? How positive or negative, yeah. right? Like how, how does that feel for you? Um. So I uh, prior to getting my black belt, it was definitely more of an emotional kind of energy. Yeah. Uh, where I would definitely have um, breakdowns on the mats. Uh, and like I was not a good training partner. I was just very emotional, uh, and it was it wasn't geared towards them. It was always geared inwards of just why couldn't I be better? Um, so dealing with those emotions and just being like, well, jujitsu is supposed to work, and like why isn't this working? Uh, you're kind of left with that question. Um, now it's it's become far more of an observational uh, thing, not necessarily tactile. Like I definitely sense when. Uh, people give up and like at least within my students I, I can feel that defeat defeatedness that happens yeah. and that kills me as a professor because I don't want that to happen to them um, I want them to, to be able to work through it it's just it's just a little bit of a bad day like we've all had those bad days don't let that ruin the rest of your round the rest of the rounds um, so I it's an observation now but it's definitely far more outward um, I don't really think about it with myself. I can definitely feel the days that I'm, I'm off, uh, and I just have to remind myself I'm off today, things aren't right, my rest isn't quite right, uh, and I can approach training as like a legitimate training session uh, now, um, as opposed to like make or break it, uh, which it totally shouldn't be. Like it should just be, you're training, it's okay, you're gonna suck some days. Yeah. Yeah. And, and do you train mostly, uh, do you train mostly with other women? Do you train mostly with uh, men? Do you train? Is there is there a certain size of people that you let you prefer to train with? 
Um, what what are your like what do your typical training partners look like? I guess is the, the uh, my training partners are typically uh, around my weight um, in the. Uh, in the classes that I, I typically train in the heaviest, um, it's m mostly men. Um, and that's because I, and they're usually blue, purple belt guys. Um, the skill level, they have a great skill level, um, but I'm trying to work different patterns in and trying to push the pace. Uh, so I know that, uh, unfortunately, we it's kind of like two sides. So I train mostly with guys. Uh, I'm trying to prep the girls into getting to a level where now I can train with them a lot heavier. Yeah. Um, we don't have as many women in the at the academy to really pick and choose from and train with. Yeah. And the girls that I train with, I would prefer them to be my size or a little bit larger than me. Uh -huh. um, it, Unfortunately, again, we don't have that many ladies, so it's white belts and blue belts that I'm currently training with that they don't have the same kind of fast twitch, they don't have the same uh, aggression. Um, also, when I find when I, when I train with other women, I, I'm not as aggressive. Yeah. Uh, it's almost like a passive kind of thing, and getting ready for tournaments. I unfortunately have to beat the shit out of people, so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I try and find dudes that I know, like, okay, they're I'm okay, gonna, they're okay with that. They're totally yeah. fine yeah. with that, and yeah. it's it's not an ego thing. Like, there's definitely a sense of it, but they also know that uh, I'm the black belt on the mats, yeah. um, so there's a presence that comes with it. So for my own training, it's it's varied. Uh, when I want to have fun and when I want to train with the girls, I'll train with the girls. Uh, if I'm trying to concentrate and hone in on, on a couple of different aspects, I'm going to be training a, a lot more of the times with guys. But that's more because I don't have that those ladies to really rely upon. Be like, all right, we're going to beat the shit out of each other now. They would love to, and I would love them to do that, but they're just not there yet. I think it's uh, one of the things you know that I've seen at a lot of schools, but you know, our school, the, the main academy and stuff like that, uh, is just just there's less. Particip women participation yeah. so far, and and I think that um, it's definitely going in the right direction. It's growing, right? yeah. I think I, it it's like amazing. I know women's wrestling has has international Huge. wrestling has grown so much, and I, I used to think you know this meant going back many years. I, I you know you watch I watched it and I wasn't very real impressed with the level even of the technique, and then yeah. and then. Like, I don't know when, I think it was 2015, I went to the World Championships and I hadn't really paid attention to it. And, and it was, I was just blown away by the skill and the, yeah. it, it was different because in, in men's international wrestling, the athleticism is just truly phenomenal. Like you don't even, you can, and, and the women didn't have some of that acrobatic and strength. So their technique was actually more interesting to me in some ways than you yeah. know, stuff that I could actually apply myself being not, you know, a freak athlete or whatever. Um, and I could teach to other people. So that was about when I started seeing that, at least when I caught on to it, it was probably before that, but, but the, the, the women's wrestling, and I think women's jiu-jitsu is the same, you know? It's, it's getting super technical, and, and it's interesting to watch and, and learn, because there is differences, right? What do you think are some of the differences that, um, that you see? I mean, hands down, it's uh, a, um, a lower center of gravity. We have... I would say that women have far more strength in their legs. Yeah. Uh, men have far more strength in their upper body and their shoulders. Um, those are just some key points to have off the bat. Um, it, that in and of itself is 
also the hip mobility too. Uh, women are far more mobile with their hips and are far more flexible. Yeah. Um, and can be in uncomfortable positions in a far stranger way than a lot of men can. Yeah. Um, some of the positions I'll put some of the girls in, uh, I know dudes downstairs will just tap for me and I'm yeah. like, okay, like that's, that can't work. Um, but meanwhile, girls are just, they're so mobile and it's frustrating because um, it, the, the placement and the timing is going to be a little bit off uh, and that's just because of the body types and the body differences. Yeah. Um, so I need either a dude with woman hips <laughs> that I can't really train with um, but, or just really get these girls like moving and yeah. I, again trying to figure out different movement patterns to kind of put into them to be like okay so you're going to do this pattern or this is the path that we're going to take. Um, that has definitely helped with at least their training. Yeah. Yeah. I know you, you mentioned, uh, and I, I really, I really want to go over with you at some point, yeah. but uh, there, you talk, you, you use the word a lot, movement patterns. Yeah. And how do you, I, I know that that's something I've, I've been thinking about a lot lately as a teacher. How do you, you train sequences of movement patterns versus, you know, where, where that, what does that mean? Does that mean it transitions between techniques? Does that mean, this movement pattern will apply to several techniques. How, how do you, could you define that, how, yeah. that term a little bit more? So it's a kind of a culmination of both of those things. Um, movement patterns uh, first kind of initiated with, for me, uh, when I did a gymnastica natural course. Right. Um, and that whole idea of sequencing different things together was like, oh, that's interesting. Who, who did the course? Um, Alvaro Romano. Oh, the man, yeah, yeah he was the, the founder. Yeah, the, founder of, yeah. <laughs> the OG. Yeah. Um, so I did the, the course with him, and that uh, that was actually during COVID and quarantine when we weren't allowed to do anything. So I know for myself, I, it was like, okay, cool, you got your black belt, and then COVID happens. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so it kind of stunts a little bit of, uh, little bit of your growth where okay now you're in the gym going from every day to now you're not yeah. um, so you got to figure out some stuff on your own and I had a lot of like come almost like a come to Jesus moment of am I doing the right thing am I at the right place am I am I doing what I should be doing and this was during COVID this was right? yeah absolutely I, I think COVID. everybody had yeah. soul searching moments during that thing oh right? totally totally um, so he was the one that first introduced uh, some type of movement pattern and like a, a reasoning behind it and uh, he mentioned some sports specific things and like showed some video highlights of him working with some MMA fighters and different things of like some not necessarily the why behind it but just this is what we did for this particular person and look at them now and it was like okay that's interesting um, so that interested me, and then it wasn't until uh, Mike started showing a lot of different movement patterns of, okay, here's a sequence, but here's what can also branch off of that. Here's where our bodies can start to move and branch off into these other other areas. So now you're taking like a, almost like a sequence, and then you can take it in multiple different directions. Yeah. You can continue with the pass. You can look for a dominant position. Um, you can look for uh, really a whole bunch of different avenues to take. Um, so that is what I refer to as, as movement pattern. So it's not necessarily like a, a, you need to do this particular sequence, but um, you start to do this, you start to enter into the sequence and then this fails and now you can go to something else. 
um, but you're still not losing position and you're still able to gain ground and gain coverage over it. That's a, that's that's really interesting, and you have drills that you do to, to reinforce yeah, that. Yeah. You some you've developed on your own, right? Mm -hmm. And that, that's really that's cool. That's really interesting. Yeah. And and did you do uh, Alvaro's course, the the like an online course? It was. And th those are so affordable too, you know. And, and a lot of content on those, I I'd, I'd recommend those too. I did a I did a course. I did some of his online a long time ago. Uh, some of my teachers were really into those, you know, some of my Brazilian teachers in early, early oh, yeah. on in my career were really into, you know, we do like a 35, 40 minute of yeah. that at the beginning. I don't do that at my school, but I do think there's value in that uh, for a lot of reasons. Um, not, not I never thought of it necessarily in the way that you just described, but um, I, I do, I think also, uh, I, I got to train with Marcio Stambowski came uh, and he was friends with Alvaro. Yeah. And he does that. He's in great shape and does so that every, shape. he does that all the time. <laughs> and I, I felt so good after I did it. Yeah. I, I incorporate a little bit of that into some of my warm ups that I do every day, but I don't do the full sequence, but I, I think I need to re after you, you know you just saying it, I, I need to revisit it and you yeah. know maybe apply it in a different way. It sounds like Mike kind of influenced you uh, a little bit too, as far oh. as taking that into the technique, you Hands know, down. blending that with the technical aspect. Of yeah. So. Um, I know when I so when I was living in Philadelphia and I was driving up to New York, and I want to say I was going up to New York three or four times a week, um, and it, when I would I would train in the morning and then I would come home. Um, and I was in massage school at the time, so like I had to figure out where to really balance all of my time. So I wasn't really able to train at night, but I still I was getting kind of instruction, but I was doing more comp competition class in New York. So I was like, I got to figure out a way in which I can at least figure out how I can get better. And I had a friend of mine, um, he was a, another body worker, and he had suggested, why don't you start doing bear crawls? And this was before. Um, Alvaro had uh, started to do any of his uh, pro online programs, so he would do, Alvaro had programs in like many different states, but I just it never lined up, um, and I would like YouTube stuff, and I would just be like, alright, I'm going to try to emulate this, so like, you're kind of getting, a, you're blind, and you really don't know what you're doing, but you're like, I'm going to try to figure this out. But in any case, um, so what I would do is I had this whole like crawling routine and this is I guess the beginnings of the movement pattern um, and it's just introducing yourself into doing like weird body movements and Jiu Jitsu is a lot of weird body movements so it's getting more comfortable with being uncomfortable. So uh, I would do those, this whole like 30-40 minute set uh, bear crawls, ridiculously slow, ridiculously paced, um, A-frame crawls, crocodile crawls, anything that was like crawling, I was like, I'm in it. Um, and I would set a timer and I would just start doing those and that I found that to completely influence my jiu-jitsu so that when I would go return back up to do comp class, my technique might be a, a little bit better, but my movement patterns and at least being able to move around was a lot easier. And where was that like in your kind of career? Was that more recently? No, that was way that back. That was way back. That was okay. way back. I was living in Philly. Um, I want to say I was a purple belt okay, uh, purple at the belt, time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I had just started massage school, so it was still trying to figure out, am I even going to be into jujitsu or should I try and pursue something else? Um, I actually didn't know I wanted to be a teacher. I was kind of like thrust into it a little bit. Uh, I've always been told, um, like, oh, you're, you're a phenomenal teacher, which I'm sure you've also heard that too, because you're amazing. 
uh, or it's like, oh, it, you should do this, you should do this, and it's like I never really trusted in the techniques, and it wasn't until I was a brown belt that I finally felt comfortable of like, okay, I do know some stuff I can't teach, <laughs> and uh, then you just kind of like fill in those shoes, but it was definitely like I did not trust anything, and from blue belt, purple belt, they were like, you should really teach, it'll be really good, you should teach kids, and the kids would scare the crap out of me. I would have, I'd be sweating profusely during the class. I'd be like, this is not okay. <laughs> do, you, do you still teach kids at all or not? Uh, no, not really. I've moved, moved away from kids. I have some uh, like 12-year-old girls in my, in my women's class yeah. uh, that I love having them there, and they're more than welcome to be there. But uh, kids are kids are tough. It's um, different, right? It's very I, I different. Really, I feel, I have, it's challenging for me, too, like teaching kids. And uh, I think um, it's something I, I haven't completely figured out to be honest I, I think I'm I don't I don't feel good about you know like I don't feel I'm super effective as much as I'd like to be yeah. with, with teaching kids but um, uh, I, I think it's it's different with all different levels too you know like teaching beginners versus Definitely. teaching and teaching people with different levels of of um, motivation you know like meaning like some people some people have different goals some people just you know don't, do you find that too like people with the goal to be a competitor. Yeah. Uh, I, I usually find that to be the easiest group to teach for me, yeah. generally, uh, just for whatever reason. And then. Well, you're a competitor too, I, so. I think, yeah, it's I think. Like it, you get to coach yourself. It makes sense, right? Yeah, yeah it's like you're just, you, I, you had to be, I mean, you did, it sounds like you did a lot. You had to overcome, like, how do I get better and stuff. So yeah. you, you did that for yourself, so then you can apply that. But then it's a lot harder to put yourself in the situation of, you know, I don't remember when I was learning, you know, when I was wrestling when I was a kid very much, as much, you know, and then, yeah. I, and then, you know, you don't, you don't, it's harder to put yourself in the place of somebody who's just, you know, maybe working 80 hours a week and yeah. then still comes into jiu-jitsu, like, amazing that they can do that, but, you know, like, I, I, it's hard to place, to be, to put yourself in their shoes, right, to, to yeah. coach Yeah, I try to remind myself that, um, the mats brought everyone here for a different reason yeah um, and whatever that may be we're all here together and we're all here now to help one another um, so I'm, I'm huge in the, the it, it's also a lot of not taking things personally with some students where um, I everyone's jujitsu journey is very personal to them um, so sometimes they'll be like oh I want to be a competitor and then like all of a sudden they're like I don't I can't compete anymore something yeah. life has come up yeah. and so now that shift has changed so I, I try not to uh, I don't want to say like I I don't judge them for it because it's like oh screw you like you're yeah. no longer on the team like no like it's just that's what happens uh, so kind of like letting things uh, Think, taking things that as, as they are at face value and just being like, okay, like that's that's cool. We're here because we love jujitsu and because we that's what love matters, to right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, that's a great way to look at it as a teacher. Um, I guess. Well, we, we, we should wrap up here because oh, I know you have to get on the road. Yeah. Uh, la last question, though, you asked me. I, I just wanted to throw <laughs> in a non-jujitsu question. Good, what do you prefer, good food or good conversation? Uh, that is a very interesting question. I like both. Um, <laughs> that's <laughs> what I said, one too. Or the other. <laughs> Right? I said the same thing, and that's and, and, but you asked me, and I thought I was I was making like a cop out answer. I was like, no. and, then, and then you have the same. So yeah, can you uh, can you elaborate on that a little bit? 
So um, the question is actually a weird like little psychology question. You get to find out a lot about someone yeah. um, about how they answer. Yeah. Um, the first part of the question is, will you accept these the confines of my question? Yeah. All right, because people always will remember, all right, I've had great food and great conversation. Which is what I said. I know, right? the two yeah. go hand in yeah. hand. So um, you have some people that uh, will answer the question as good food. So good food, um, first off, you accept the, the confines of my, my question. So if you say good food, you're typically more of a doing things person. You need to go out, you need to go experience things. For people that say good conversation, it's typically more intellectual and you want that stimulation mental uh, or mentally. Uh, so that's an interesting part. Then for those that uh, say, screw it, I don't accept the confines of your question. <laughs> I do both. Um, they're typically more of uh, uh, they work well under pressure, um, they're, they think outside the box, and uh, they kind of like hit things a little straight on, um, and kind of go to the beat of their own drum. So that is, <laughs> those are the answers of the questions. Um, but it was, a, it's, a, it's a fun so, little thing. So you can't really, you know with all this background, and yeah. like it doesn't really work, it doesn't really work for asking no, you. No. So. But, um, but no, when I first was asked the question, I had said, nope, I do both. <laughs> who, who, asked, who asked you the question? Uh, it was my fiancé that asked me the question. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it was one of his like, <laughs> little feelers question. Yeah, um, and you, you went with non-accepting the complex yeah, of the question. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. like, nope, I do both. You have to do both. I think when you asked me it, I first I said both, and then I was like, eh, I better, I better, I better play the game. I better just throw, throw one out there. So yeah. that, that was like my thought process with it. No, no, it's very interesting, um, and it's also interesting to see how people answer the question. So I have one uh, student of mine that she freaked out when I asked her the question. She had a hard time choosing either or, and she's like, I don't remember. But and uh, it's actually kind of funny. That translates to how our jujitsu is. She's a high, high blue, uh, high purple belt. Yeah. Um, she's definitely close to like knocking on Brown's door, but uh, she has a hard time choosing what she's gonna do during during training. And so it's just it's like an interesting personality thing. Then there's uh, uh, I actually asked Black Rob this question. He accepted my the confines. But he was like, I make a good conversation. I was like, oh! I make a I, good conversation? Yeah, I, uh, I, I choose food because I make good conversation. And it was like, oh, that is... So what he meant was he's... He's just gonna choose the food answer, but he actually likes the conversation. Yeah. He feels like he can create it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a nice little wink at the rules. I I'll tell you a little bit now that you say that about when I answered it, the psychology of what I thought of. Yeah. So I um I hate indecisiveness. It's one of my uh, it's one of my like pet peeves yeah. in, in in myself or anybody else. And actually, I have to be like. Um, understanding of other people because it's one of the things that just irritates me very much if yeah. people can't decide things I'm like it's because also because I don't like it when I'm like that so so that's what I did I was like at first I was like I like both and then I was like, <laughs> I was like oh I hate that I can't make that answer like I, 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 I wow. I'm not into that that's so that was my that was oh, my psychology cool. so so that's why I, I uh, that's, that's that was my answer to it but uh, well thanks so much for having the conversation I think a lot of people are gonna get get um, a lot of competitors um, will get a lot out of it and uh, uh, it was a lot of fun I hope you can come back and I hope we can I hope we can uh, spend some more time on the mats here in New York and uh, 
and go over some of your some of your drills and uh, good good luck in your upcoming competitions Definitely. too. I, I think so uh, uh, I'll be I'll be looking out for you and uh, I think you. I think all our all the students here in Pittsburgh will be cheering yeah. you on too. So. So. Yeah, it was awesome being here. Thank you so much for having me. It was great having all of your students beat me up. Um, they're wonderful. Uh, and thank you, uh, thank you, thank you, thank you for having me here. Uh, this has really been a pleasure.